0: I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. What comes to mind when you hear the word wisdom? Wisdom. It's not an unfamiliar word, but what do you think about when you think about wisdom? Wisdom. When when we think about wisdom, I think that a lot of times, a lot of us have images that come to our minds. In fact, I'm going to put some images up on the screen, and um, maybe one of these is something that comes to your mind when you think about wisdom. Here's the first image. This is an image of a statue of Socrates. Socrates is known as one of the founders of Western philosophy. He gave us the Socratic method, and a lot of people, when they think about wisdom, they think about Socrates. They think about critical philosophical thinking that's obtained through asking and answering stimulating questions. That's what wisdom is to a lot of people. The realm of deep philosophical thinking. We're going to put a second picture on the screen, but other people, maybe for them, this second picture is what comes to mind when they think about wisdom. You know what this picture is, right? It's a picture of Yoda. And when we think about wisdom, often we think of it as sage advice that's gained from some master of experience in a certain discipline. And (coughs) excuse me know that (laughs) some of you have really gotten into watching the Mandalorian recently and you're super excited about the premiere of season three coming up in just a couple of weeks. But uh, Yoda, uh, we often think of wisdom as climbing up to the top of some mountain or uh, going off to a swamp and getting the sage advice from the master. There's a third image that we've got and For some people, when they think of wisdom, they think of this guy. Who is this? Albert Einstein. We think about wisdom as uh, advanced accumulation of intellectual knowledge, that if someone is really smart, then they're really wise. Well, I, I studied a lot this week about this idea of wisdom, and I came across a statement from a former pastor from College Church of Wheaton, a guy by the name of R. Kent Hughes. Now, we're going to put this up on the screen, but here's what he said. Wisdom is not knowledge. It is far more than the accumulation of information and intellectual perception. The fact is, man, through his vast accumulation of knowledge, has learned to travel faster than sound, but displays his need for wisdom by going faster and faster in the wrong direction. Man has amassed a huge store of information about the world, but shows his abysmal lack of wisdom by failing to live any better in the world. Wisdom. Last week, we began a new sermon series, a journey together through the New Testament letter that was written by the half-brother of Jesus, a guy by the name of James. He was also the uh, pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. And and so we started in James chapter 1 last week, but uh, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles with me this morning. Or you can grab one in the pew rack in front of you, open that Bible app. But uh, open it with me to James chapter 1 again today. And we're going to begin right where we left off, James chapter 1 and verse 5. As we continue on in this letter, James is addressing this idea of wisdom. And I want you to look at what he says here. James chapter 1 beginning in verse 5. We'll put the words on the screen. Here's what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the sun rises and its scorching heat uh, with its scorching heat and withers the grass its flower falls and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits james begins to talk to us about this idea of wisdom particularly wisdom from a biblical standpoint and what i'd like to do today is to take these verses that we've just read and unpack them by asking three simple questions. Now, the first question is just this. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? I mean, if we're going to understand what James is talking about here, we've all got to be on the same page in understanding what wisdom is. Because if we don't know what it is, then we are going to read these verses in the wrong way. And we, we've already said that wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just insight. It's not simply intellect. It's not just accumulating more knowledge than other people. What James is writing to us here is something that's much more than just mental ability. In fact, James uses words here that communicate that what he's talking about is wisdom that has a spiritual dimension to it. This word wisdom here is one that speaks of divine wisdom, and it has to do with how we live out our relationship with God. Friends, listen, James viewed wisdom as a practice of righteousness in daily life. And this wisdom is what enables the believer to meet life and its trials with decisions and actions that are consistent with God's will. This is what James is talking about when he talks about wisdom. In fact, I'd like to give you a definition of wisdom today that I hope will help us in understanding what James is trying to communicate here. We're going to put this on the screen, but here's what it is. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. The ability to see life from God's perspective. I want you to think about that. In every decision, every moment, every circumstance, every relationship, every opportunity, wisdom from a biblical perspective is the ability to be able to see whatever you're facing From God's perspective, wouldn't you like to be able to say today that whatever is in front of you, whether it's a big decision or a personal conflict or a relationship that you're pursuing, a career path that you're considering, wouldn't you like to be able to say today, you know, I can completely see this from God's perspective. Listen, I'm not just looking at this from my perspective I'm, uh, looking at the, I'm not just looking at this from an earthly perspective. I'm seeing this completely from God's perspective. You, wouldn't you love to be able to say that? Well, here's the challenge. We live in a world with a lot of different perspectives. And we, 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 all have, we all see these things differently, whether it be politics or maybe it has to do with uh, our culture or something even as simple as sports. And uh, just to kind of help you illustrate this once. Uh, I I want to have you think about the the fact that this today is Super Bowl Sunday. Later on this evening, we are going to watch a big football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I I don't think that there's any diehard fans of either one of these teams here today, but just personally... I'm uh, hoping that it's a really good game, and if the Eagles win i I mean I'd be happy with that i I, I haven't They haven't won the Super Bowl in a number of years, and I, I think it would be fun if they win. but I really I don't care who wins. But just for the sake of this illustration, I want you to just assume for a moment that I am just a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. Now, in order to kind of get in this mindset and to think this out, um, I've got a picture that we're going to put on the screen here of me as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And uh, some of you see this and you're thinking, yeah, that's about right. Pastor Jason is kind of crazy. But just imagine that uh, I know all the players' names and all the stats, and I've watched all the games, and I've got all of the Eagles fan wear, the hats and the jerseys and everything, like even autographed footballs and stuff like that. And imagine as well that this—that the game tonight goes the Eagles' way, and they're just dominating, and I'm into it, and I'm having a blast, and I'm screaming, fly, Eagles, fly. And I'm cheering, and I'm having the time of my life. And in my mind, this is the best football game that has ever been played. And imagine that it's the end of the Philadelphia, at the end of the game, the Philadelphia Eagles actually win the game, and they're able to hoist the Lombardi Trophy for the first time in a number of years. But, for the sake of this illustration... You are a huge uh, Chiefs fan. You, you love the Kansas City Chiefs. In the middle of the game, I text you from my amazing perspective of this game. And to my shock, to my dismay, you don't even text me back. And so on Monday morning, I drive over to your house so that we can share in this celebration together from the, the amazing victory of the Philadelphia Eagles me as an eagles fan you as a chiefs fan but to my surprise i show up to your house and you're not happy at all about the outcome because your beloved team has lost now obviously this is a made-up scenario maybe a little silly scenario but here's the point we all see things differently And here is the bottom line. At the end of the day, it's not my perspective that matters the most. It's not your perspective that matters the most. It's not the world's perspective that really matters. At the end of the day, in every situation of our lives, the real question is, what is God's perspective on this situation? How does God see this? What is the wisdom that I need from God to see it as he sees it? Friends... We've been living in some extremely challenging and difficult times over the last uh, number of years. And what, what I've noticed is that I need God and I need his wisdom like never before. Now, I want to be clear here. There are plenty of perspectives that are out there. You and I also have perspectives as well. But what we need is not your perspective or my perspective or anyone else's perspective. What we need is God's wisdom, God's perspective. That leads me to a second question. Where does that wisdom come from? Where does that wisdom come from? What James is talking uh, about, what he's telling us here, is that wisdom is the ability to see things from God's perspective. And James is teaching us how you and I can get, can acquire, can experience wisdom. James is writing to us about how you and I can see things from God's perspective in every situation. And so I want to break down what James is teaching us here into a threefold statement. And here is the first part of this statement. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. Did did you hear what he said there in the text? He, He didn't say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask Pastor Jason. And he didn't say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask the small group leader. And he certainly did not say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask the nightly news or social media. He did not say any of those things. Friends, if we need wisdom, then the place that we go to find wisdom is to God himself. And that is one of the major problems in the church today. In the church in America, we are going to everyone else under the sun in order to get their wisdom instead of sitting at the feet of the only one who can give us real wisdom. We need to know what God has to say. And let me tell you that there is some good news about God's wisdom. Romans chapter 11. Listen to what Paul has to say about the wisdom of God. Verse 33. O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. What does that mean? God is never in short supply of wisdom. I had an art teacher in high school. Her name was Miss Wanda. Miss Wanda Uh, was a bit of uh, of an odd person. She had an odd way of trying to get her students to behave in class, and she had this rule that if everybody worked really hard in class, that there were no disruptions, no one talked out of turn, she would give us all M&M's. I mean, literally, that sounds like an amazing gift in my mind. I mean, I love M&M's, especially peanut M&M's. But when Miss Wanda said that she was going to give us M&M's, she did not mean that she was going to give everyone their own bag of M&M's. And she did not mean that she was even going to give us a fun size bag of M&M's, pack of M&M's. No, Miss Wanda would bring one bag of M&M's for every class that she had that day. And so in order to have enough M&M's, To to be able to give to every single class, she would actually take the M&Ms and she would cut them in half and she would give you a half of an M&M. And you could just imagine how effective that was with high schoolers. I I mean, we people would literally act up in class on purpose because they didn't really care about the half of an M&M. But, friends, when it comes to God... When it comes to the wisdom of God, he is never in short supply. In fact, there is never going to be a moment in your life when you need God's wisdom and you go to God and and he's just all out of wisdom. Like like you you go to God and and he says, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I gave my last bit of wisdom out out to the person who is in front of you. If you come back tomorrow, I may have some more wisdom that I could give you then. No! What this text tells us, what this text is teaching us is that there is no end to the wisdom of God. In fact, if you read on in Romans chapter 11, verse 34, it says, for who has known the mind of God or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Listen, God is all wise and all wisdom comes from him. Now, I know that most of us probably know that intellectually, but have we experienced that practically in our lives? Are we regularly asking God for wisdom? Because God is infinitely wise and he knows how to get the best out of life. He knows what steps we need to take in order to experience success. What we need to do in order to experience and to live out the abundant life that he has for us. I mean, I imagine that there are a number of people here in the room this morning who have some big decisions to make in life. And I want you to know that God who knows what is best for your life, wants to give you wisdom about that particular thing. Maybe it's something related to your career, that you're just starting out and you're not even sure where to begin. Or maybe you've been in your career for a long, long time and you're thinking about maybe making a career change or a career move. Well, listen, the wisdom, uh, wi- wisdom that comes from God, he gives us wisdom to make decisions like that. Maybe you're walking through a really difficult situation right now with a neighbor or a friend or a family member or a co-worker and you're just trying to discern what's the best possible way to handle this conflict. How can I get the best outcome in the midst of a really challenging circumstance? listen. There is only one place that you can get that from God and God alone. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking about getting involved in a new relationship. You just met someone and you want to know, is this something that I should pursue? I mean, I've made some mistakes in the past and I don't want to do that again. I need some wisdom here. Listen, that wisdom, it comes from God. If we are going to experience the best that God has for us, then we've got to have wisdom. And that wisdom comes from God. Let me give you a second part of this statement. Wisdom comes from God as a gift. Again, James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives. Listen, God is always looking for opportunities to give you his wisdom, which means that there is never going to be a time or a situation or a circumstance in your life that you will face where God is not eagerly waiting to pour out his wisdom upon you. Some of us uh, have this idea of God's wisdom and God's will that it's kind of like this game that God's playing with us where he's uh, just hiding behind rocks and we have to try to find him. And as soon as we get close to him, he goes and he hides around uh, another rock somewhere. And then when we finally do find him, it's like he just wants to take and give us a small little bit of his wisdom. But what James very clearly tells us here is that God is sitting right out in the open. He is not hiding. He is waiting on us to approach Him in our need of wisdom. And when we do, He is just ready to take a barrel of wisdom, a huge barrel of wisdom, and dump it upside down and pour out all of His wisdom into our lives. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. You say, well... If, there, if, if that's really true, that, that in every situation in my life, I can get God's perspective, that, that I can know God's wisdom, then how do I get this gift from God? Well, James told you and I that, that we, we need to ask God for this wisdom. Again, uh, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And what this implies is this ongoing, continual asking It's not just like we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we say, hey, God, give me wisdom once and then we all get all the wisdom that we ever need. What's being described here is a continuous pursuit in our life of seeking wisdom from God. It's describing a moment-by-moment posture of seeking God's perspective. And how do you do that? What, What does it mean to have a posture of continuously seeking wisdom from God? Well, I want to make this as practical as I can. So I want to just give you three important things here. First, we seek wisdom through the word. We seek wisdom through the word. If you want to know God's perspective in every situation, circumstance, relationship, or opportunity in your life, then you need to consistently sit at God's feet in his word. Listen, often we think that we're just going to live however we want to live and do whatever we want to do. And then we we get to the moment of crisis and we think that we are going to just microwave God's wisdom into our lives. But it doesn't work that way. James says that if you want wisdom, the ongoing passion and pursuit of your life needs to be a continual seeking of the wisdom of God. And one of the ways that we get wisdom from God is by spending time in his word. One of my favorite passages is found in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. This is God speaking and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, God has got a totally different perspective on things than we do. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then he says, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what that which I pr- purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God says, listen, your perspective is not my perspective. In fact, you know what? You're not even close. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. But here is what I'm going to do. I am going to let you in on my ways and what they are through my word. And he uses this kind of interesting imagery here when he he talks about rain and snow. Now, ultimately, you think about this, rain and snow, they actually accomplish the same thing. They water the earth. But the way that they water the earth is a little bit different. I mean, when it rains, things get wet right away, right? But uh, when it snows, sometimes that snow can actually sit there for weeks or months before it even melts and waters the earth. You see, we, we can't just run to the word of God when there is a moment of crisis and hope that somehow we're going to be able to find the answer immediately. Instead, sometimes God is building a snowbank of wisdom. And when the crisis arises, when the opportunity surfaces, when the relationship is in front of you, then God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to melt away the snowbank and it gives you what it is that you need. Then you've just been consistently consumed by the word of God. And as that snowbank begins to melt away, it provides the wisdom that you need in the moment. And so, friends, we we need to be in God's word regularly, daily, if we want to experience and receive the wisdom of God. And not only do we need to be doing that personally, but we need to be doing that corporately as well. So we seek wisdom through the word, but then secondly, we seek wisdom through prayer. We seek wisdom through prayer. In fact, James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You know, a lot of times we think about this uh, prayer as like just talking to God, but that's not prayer. Prayer is communication with God, and it does involve speaking, but it also involves listening. I mean, how does the conversation at your house go if you're the only one talking all the time? I mean, it's not really a conversation, is it? And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, if if you'd walk away really unfulfilled, if you sat down to talk to somebody and they went on and on and on and on and on and talked the whole time. And then at the end, when you were ready to talk, they just walked away. I I, I mean, uh, oftentimes, though, that is the way we act and approach God that we say hey god i need this and god i need this and god i need that and god i need that and you know what I, I, here's all the things that i need we dump it on his lap and we say thank you god i'm done and we walk away friends listen god through his holy spirit often speaks to us through moments of prayer but let me also be very clear here that we will never uh, speak, that, that he will never speak in ways that are contradictory to his word now I've heard people say this at times, you know, they'll say things like, I've heard this from the Lord. And then they, they, what they say is in direct contradiction to the word of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God will never speak to you in contradiction to his word, ever. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So we seek wisdom through the word, we seek wisdom through prayer. But thirdly, we seek God's wisdom through counsel. You know, oftentimes in my life, the way that I receive wisdom from God when I'm in the word and when I'm praying is that I can go to a brother or sister in Christ, talk to them about something. And often I can get God's perspective on something that uh, by what it is that they have to say and what it is that they share with me in that moment. Um, In fact, you know, I just love here what Proverbs has to say about this. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And and you know, as I think back over my life, I think that a lot of uh, unwise decisions that I made in my life could have been avoided if I had just sought out the counsel and the perspective of another Christian. Well, well, again, those are three ways that we can discover God's wisdom through his word, through prayer, and through counsel. If you and I are going to experience this wisdom from God, if we are going to be able to see life from his perspective, we must be people who are seeking God's wisdom consistently through the word, through prayer, and through counsel. And, and let me just say here that if this is not the pattern of your life, then we, we, we're not really seeking the wisdom of God. And when we face those crises, when we go through those difficulties, we can't expect to have God's wisdom. But if the pattern of our lives is to be in his word and pray and to seek counsel from godly people, then the third part of this statement here is uh, something that can be our expectation. Wisdom comes from God as a gift generously and without reproach uh, back to uh, James chapter 1 and verse 5 if one of you lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach again God is not just going to give you some little breadcrumbs and hope that you can somehow figure it out on, on your own He is ready to dump his wisdom into your lap. He is ready to show you his perspective. He is ready to reveal to you the steps that you need to take. And he will do it generously and without reproach. These two phrases, generously and without reproach, they mean that it does not matter how many times that you and I ask for wisdom in the past. It doesn't matter how many times we've gotten it wrong in the past. If we come to God for wisdom, he is ready to give that wisdom to us. Friends, here is the promise of James 1, that if we need wisdom, God is ready to give it to us. And he wants to give us his wisdom generously, abundantly, and without hesitation. How do you see God? I mean, do you see God as having like this closed fist, holding on to everything that he's got really, really tightly, not wanting to give any of it to you? Or do you see him with open hands? Here is what James says. If you need God's wisdom, with open arms, he is ready to give you his wisdom if you just come and ask him for it. And he does that through his word, through prayer, and through counsel. Well, I've got one last question here, and it's this. What are the obstacles to obtaining this wisdom? What are the obstacles to obtaining wisdom? If what we're saying is true, then... Why don't we all have God's perspective all the time? Well, I'll give you three reasons here as we close. Number one, we fail to ask God for wisdom. We fail to ask God for wisdom. Remember that when James talks about asking here, he's talking about a continual practice through God's word, prayer, and counsel. And not asking God for wisdom is living in disobedience to the clear command of James. In fact, later on in this letter, James is going to say, you have not because you ask not. Are you spending regular time? In the Word of God daily, are you sitting under the Word of God weekly? Are you fellowshipping with others around the Word? Are you communicating with God through prayer, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you seeking counsel from others? If you are, then here is the promise. God is going to give you wisdom. If you are not, then you will not experience God's wisdom. You can't microwave this. You can't just go to God like a genie in the bottle expecting that he's going to grant you somehow three wishes. That's not how it works. It's about a relationship. So number one, we fail fail to ask God for wisdom. But then secondly, the second obstacle to obtain wisdom is that we consider God's wisdom as an option. We consider God's wisdom as an option. What do do I mean by that? Well, look again at verses 6 through 8. James says this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. That word doubting there, it has this idea of fighting with yourself. Meaning, you know what? I'm asking God for wisdom, but I'm not really sure if I want to know what he's got to say. Reading on. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That term there, double-minded, is actually a term that James coined. It's the first time in Greek literature that it's ever used. But it, it describes a divided heart. What it really means is, God, I want to know your perspective so that I can then consider it along with all the other perspectives in the world. Listen, we need to understand that when God reveals his will to us, it is not just an option to consider. It is not like God has given us one option, but there are a whole bunch of other options out there that are just as good, and we have to kind of pick whatever one we want. No! No! Instead, we need to be ready to follow God's wisdom, whatever it might be. And we need to do it without doubting. We can't go to God with a divided heart, a heart that's arguing against itself. We need to be in a place of total surrender. And here is why. God knows the best potential outcome of what it is that you're facing. And he is trying to give you the steps in order to experience the abundant life that he has for you. He he, he doesn't want you to have to go through the pain of another bad decision. Well, here's the last obstacle. We place greater value on this life than on the life to come. We place greater value on this life than on the life to come. This is what James is saying in chapter 1 in verses 9 through 11. I'm just going to read the last line of verse 11. Here's what it says. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Friends, we put too much emphasis on the things of this world and not enough emphasis on the world that is to come. And if we are too focused on this world rather than on the world that is to come, we are going to miss out on the wisdom of God. So what is wisdom? Well, it's the ability to see things from God's perspective. It means that he knows what's best for you and the steps that you need to take to get there. Where does this wisdom come from? It comes from God when we ask him consistently continuously through his word through prayer and through counsel and when we do that he is ready to generously pour out his wisdom into our lives but there are some obstacles we've got to we've got to ask we've got to ask and be ready to hear what it is that he has to say and we need to focus more on eternity than we are on this life and this world. Friends, that is what the Bible, that is what James has to say about wisdom. Let's pray.